very, very important. You know, you're not going to go and attacking the person. You're going to give them the, the compliment and you're going to help them as they, you listen to them. That's very, very important. You listen to the patient, you know, without a judgmental, um, without any being judgmental, you have to listen and hear what they, and come from that angle to help them. You know, if there has to be, uh, you listen to them, as I said, let them see that you have interest in them. That's great. Sobriety is scary. That's why Untapped Keg explores different perspectives of sobriety and mental health so that you know you are not alone. Hopefully, you can find something you can implement into your own life. Sobriety and mental health are topics that often are uncomfortable and complex. We do not shy away from any conversation. But you should know we try to be respectful. But there's always room to learn and grow. Everyone is welcome here as you are, and you will be respected. We are not medical professionals and do not give medical advice. Please seek medical care if you need it. Now let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tapping into another episode of Untapped Keg podcast where we explore different perspectives into sobriety and mental health so that maybe you can take some of the tips, some of the tricks, or just some of the coping mechanisms that we use and put it into your life. I am your host, RJ Zimmerman, and I have the absolute pleasure to have the host of the Empowering New Nurses podcast, former nurse, Dr. Miriam Smith. How are you doing today, Miriam? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, RJ. The fact that I have accepted this invitation to be on your podcast, it's a great pleasure. And thanks for inviting me. I'm excited to have you because you're just, you warm everybody's day. And I really am glad that you're going to be there for um, our community and listeners out there, because having conversations with you, it really it changes my mindset for the day. I could be having just an okay day, a somewhat down day, and then I'll have a conversation with you. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, today's pretty good. I don't know what I'm talking about. And I just, that is such a wonderful, um, it's a, it's a wonderful personality trait that you have. And I just want to give you some flowers. Thank um, you. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, Dr. Smith, why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast and who you are? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I'm Miriam Smith, DNP. I was uh, I was recruited to this country in 1986 as a critical care nurse, and I have taken with me experience, like about eight years of experience. And um, I came here and I worked in critical care area and I've worked in different um, capacities as a critical care nurse, as a nurse consultant in, um, in and, um, community nursing. I've worked in academia, I've taught um, transcultural nursing, I've taught public health, community nursing, 
And of course, I have been an educator for many years. That involves um, onboarding new nurses, onboarding nurses who are from um, like second degree nurses, and of course, giving in services and all of that. And sometimes um, you would say I have to lecture. So uh, my main reason at this time for having um, embarked on this um, Empowering New Nurses show, and you have been so inspirational to me because when it comes to the technical part, I'm challenged a lot, although I've put effort out. But you have been such a person of support and I appreciate it. I want to let you know and the public know that too. That um, so my main reason behind um, this this um, podcast is that I have seen many nurses who um, young nurses who are scared. They are fearful because coming into this profession, what is very it's a noble profession, but it can be challenging at times. Um, they're scared. They're scared fear of the unknown. They're not sure um, how they will be received if they ask questions and um, if they'll do the procedures correctly or if they'll make an error. There's some multiple, multiple reasons, RG, why they might be scared So um, and fearful. So my take on this is that I have a wealth of experience Undoubtedly so. I know I have it. And I have shared a lot with many, many um, individuals and I've seen them grow. I've seen them. They have grown and um, have been taking their rightful places in society and giving back. So I've seen some become um, nurse practitioners. I've seen I've taught, you know, certain procedures to doctors, to to the healthy um, interprofessionality, I've done a lot of that. And even with the COVID that just, um, the COVID injections vaccination program, I had to educate pharmacists, I educate doctors, I educate nurses, different, different, um, I would say disciplines. And I must say they have been successful and they are doing well. So here it is on nurses, they have come on the units they have to be they have to be taught certain skills because after passing the NCLEX, after passing that licensure exam, that's just the academia part of it. Yeah. They also have to do the clinical practice. That's mm-hmm. where that's the critical part of it. And that's very important. Theory is okay. That has its place. But the hands-on, doing the thing right so that the patient can receive high quality care having the critical thinking, knowing the rationale behind doing what they're doing is very, very important or else the patient will not be cared for um, as required or satisfactorily. So here it is. That's my reason behind doing that. And in so doing, I can help my young nurse. I can help my second career nurses. I can share with them um, communication, effective, communicating effectively. I can also share with them skills I can give them some of my pointers, tips that I have used over the years that have helped me and helped others. I also have um, other uh, seasoned nurses like uh, coming on and share some of their experiences and say how they can help the nurses. Because RJ, there are many nurses who are definitely willing to share or impart their knowledge and their skills to help the younger nurse grow, you know? So yeah. that's 
it is. And that's, it's extremely wonderful that you're going to take, instead of keeping your knowledge, you know, and your experience, you're going to create a platform to help other people learn and grow. And it's a very incredible thing because a lot of people, like you said, the technical, it's not, it's not great. Like you don't understand everything you're trying and that in and of itself is incredible. A lot of people would be put off. Like, I really want to do this, but I just, I can't figure it out. I don't know how to do it, but you're like, you know what? I can figure it out. I'm going to try to figure it out. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to reach out to somebody who has figured it out to see if they can help me too. A lot of people would be stopped by that. When it comes to your drive and you you want to get create a resource, another resource for nurses to use. Let's say they don't understand and we talked about this like uh the EKG completely or like the stethoscope the they struggle with that a little bit. Um what made you want to really take your experience and put it into an audio or video platform so that new nurses might be able to look them up or even experienced nurses who need a refresher? Right. So think of it this way. There are individuals who are out there who want definitely to make, uh, make a transfer or a transition to another area. For example, in critical care or a step down or a telemetry unit. And there are requirements to be in those areas special for specialities. And for example, working in the emergency room or the telemetry or the ICU or the NICU or the labor and delivery, those are areas where you have critical patients who have to be cared for. Many times they are being monitored. And when I say monitored, they have different lines, different tubes, whether they're in the cardiac monitor. And you may go into a critical care area. You may go into an area you see, or when you go into the hospital or someone for you go in the hospital and they hook them up to a machine and you're seeing the different lines on the monitor and what it's saying, and you may hear some noises and all of that. What is it all about? No, the nurse, who works in that in those areas, they have been trained, they have been equipped to be able to recognize different rhythm or different sound. Look at that, what is happening there? Is the heart slowing down? Is it going too fast? What's the parameter, you know, the rate, so forth. And the lines, what are they looking like? Is it straight? That's cool to me that it's death or something, some or disconnection or something. So this is an awareness and being capable to respond appropriately to the changes that are occurring for these patients. So therefore, if one needs that type of help, and which can be scary, because I remember um, being trained at that time in critical care at the University of the West Indies, Jamaica West, Jamaica West Indies. In, initially, it's scary, it's fearful, but you have some young nurses who are prudent nurses, but they don't know that yet. And you have, they have questions. And if you are equipped, recently I interviewed a nurse and I actually had taught her, um, she was in one of the classes that I had and I taught her um, EKG, for example, and supported her. 
And one of the fascinating thing that when I spoke with her, she was so scared. And you will, if you listen to the to the um, interview, you'll hear her. But she actually said she was so nervous. She never thought she would have been able to read those EK, the, the, those dysrhythmias, or they call it arrhythmia or dysrhythmia. It's used interchangeably. So this, she's saying that she was saying, I don't think I would ever knew that. And now what she told me, lastly, she said, I am not scared to go to any hospital. She actually does what you would call it, moonlighting or sessions or contract now. She works at her um, designated place of work, but she also does a little extra on the outside. She said, when she goes to those areas, she's not fearful. So that means that she's competent doesn't know everything, which no one knows everything, but she's able to recognize, she's able to work comfortably in that area because of the lessons and the training that she received. So that's a plus. So definitely I'll be able to help someone who um, struggles with that, be able to recognize, know, identify, be able to treat and be able to read it. That's wonderful. That's and that that really does go to show how um, not everybody learns the same way. Everybody needs different. Methodology. Say, yes. yes, absolutely. So when it comes to let's say we go to uh, back to when you were working as a nurse, um, and somebody comes in and they have um, they have a drinking problem that is giving them health issues or they come in to detox. Um, is there any, when you see those people, do you think, Oh, why can't you just give up the drink or is it, Oh, I really want to help this person. And it's not just what I'm going to be doing physically, but I'm going to be talking to them. Um, how is it that you will approach a person that comes in, let's say, uh, for detox. So actually, I I didn't work on that unit, like the detox unit. However, knowing from general how you approach individuals, very very important. You know, you're not going to go and attacking the person. You're going to give them the the compliment, and you're going to help them. As they, you listen to them, that's very, very important. You listen to the patient, you know, without a judgmental, um, without any being judgmental, you have to listen and hear what they, and come from that angle to help them. You know, if there has to be, uh, you listen to them, as I said, let them see that you have interest in them. That's critical, important. Then you use the same method of after listening to them, you find the approach, what method you're going to use. As they identify, their, you can be a resource person. There might be other resources on the unit or in the, in the environment where you make a referral. You know, you discuss that with the team, of course, because here it is. It's not just it, the patient might behave in a certain way which is maybe not acceptable, but what is that causing from? What's the result of this cause? This might be the withdrawal. This patient might be withdrawn, wanting to go out and get some medic and get that alcohol, or maybe asking somebody else to bring it in. There are so many different factors that can contribute to 
this patient who needs that individualized care. And therefore, as I said, you might have individuals who are the same um, situation. It's different for different individuals. Some patients, when they, they are withdrawing, they might curse you out as a nurse. You'll be surprised to know sometimes that nurses have taken abuses from patients. And sometimes some of them are withdrawing. They just want to get out. They want to walk out. They want to sign out to do what? To go back into their norm, their, their normal yeah. um, and have the alcohol and so forth. When nobody be able to say anything to them as it were, they make their decisions. You know, so listening to me is very important. And also, as you educate the, that patient with their medication, there's some medications that inter, um, interact with the with the alcohol. And instead of helping, it will be more detrimental. So there, there it goes. You have to educate. You have to see where they are and help them and make referrals. Sometimes as you make referrals and the doctor discusses it and so forth, they have to go to some um, other systems where they'll get treatment and so forth. And if they're willing to, many of them will accept that and go get treatment and they see you again and they will thank you for having made that recommendation for them. I your answer is like so fantastic to me. Just the uh, listen to the patient part and no judgment. Like None I judgment. think that a lot of a lot of life could be taken from that. Um, speaking of like listening and what you said about nurses taking abuse, like honestly, even before I met you, like that didn't shock me. Um, just what we've seen from the, uh, epidemic and everything around that. And so an important topic that we would be remiss to touch on is a, the nursing shortage, and then B just the, the, um, I don't want to say mindset, but like the, the mental wellness of nurses out there. Um, so with the nursing sh shortage, what do you think is a cause of the nursing shortage and what do you think a solution could be? And we'll start right there. Hmm. Very interesting. Uh, the nursing shortage that has been growing, you know, we are living in a, a changing world. I would say constant changing and that's happening in the nursing profession also, but um, if you should look at it, the great percentage of nurses are baby boomers. And when I was at a conference recently, I remember seeing on a, a button that someone was wearing. And he said, like, every 15 minutes, every 15 minutes, a baby boomer retired. That's what, what it was. So you know what that means. So the shortage is there. Number one, nurses we're getting older, including myself. Some have retired and some because of the COVID um, situation, they chose to leave earlier than they had planned, right? 
they have reached the age, but they would have stayed on a little longer, but they have made decision to leave. So the shortage is real. And so in order to help um, solve some of those um, problems, um, right now in New York, I know they, they're offering the government there, they're offering um, uh, individuals to, you know, some scholarships to help to aid and resolve this problem, get young people coming into the nursing profession. And it's not just in New York, in other states that is being um, embraced. So with the COVID, you did ask about the COVID. I'm telling you, I was part of the, the team that had to educate and skill, I would say, let me put skill up in, 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 um, in this, in quotes, because within that short period, within that time frame, nurses who worked not at the bedside or clinical, in clinical capacities, they had to be refreshed as it were, you know? And so we had to train as it were, demonstrate. We had, we had, blood transfusion, we, we had to go through different skills. We have catheterization, we had um, done in, putting on the, the um, putting on the preventative um, um, apparatus and um, also um, taking the, removing them in, this, in the fashion to prevent transmission of diseases. We also had um, traveling, it, it was just, it was just phenomenal and it's unbelievable, but the things that were covered within that short time and the mindset, because let me tell you, we had cases where people were coming on who weren't, who didn't want to be there in spite of all was happening. And they would turn it back on you, the educator, very upset that they have to do certain things. And also remember, we have to update these nurses the team, because number one, many have not been practicing and there are so many things we are constantly changing. So in order to give that high quality care, there are certain scientific um, proofs and changes that had to be made. Well, some of those other um, individuals, because they're not practicing clinically, they were not um, acquainted with at this time. So we had to do, some of them had to undo some of the learning that they, thought they had. So they were really adamant about um, some of those changes that they had to make. So definitely there were times um, I would wear a lab coat, you know, usually um, as an educator. And um, when the situation was so gross and grave and not enough critical care nurses, my colleagues and myself, we had to just back that off got on board, cleaning ventilators, giving medications and doing the best we could, you know, for the survival of life. So it was, it was being challenging, being on some of the units and nurses would ask me as an educator again, I say, we are not comfortable doing this. We are not doing this. We never used to do this. And I had to take the, absorb all of that and then use another way of meeting them and showing them. And eventually, the good thing about it, you would hear at some point, Miriam, I'm able to do that. I did that. I did. And that was satisfactory to me. That was happy. And, you know, you could see the changes. But we remember anything that's new does not usually be challenging at first. 
So unless you get the buy-in of individuals and see the, 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 the outcome, see the changes, the data collection and all of that, I'm telling you, it was really, really, really when having meetings early before we started, like little huddles, and then you'd hear the bells going off, the bells going dead, dead, dead. And some of the reports were really, really sad, you know. So we have come far, although we have lost so many. Some of our nurses also lost loved ones. We lost some of our nurses also. And that was painful, painful, painful. You had loved ones who lost their loved ones and they had to be there caring for others, you know. Yeah. So, so that's that was an experience indeed. It's one of those times, and I think... Um as a profession too, that we lose sight of the human behind the care. Right. Um, and when we look into that time period and how exhausting it was for everybody involved, where do you think, uh, the mental wellness is for nurses right now? Do you think that because of the shortage, because of the pandemic, because of all of these factors that um, we're at a point of struggle there, or do you think that it's starting to get better that people are starting to understand about self-care and about uh, you know, the hospitals are understanding that when you have a stressed out employee there, when you have a stressed out nurse, stressed out doctor, that uh, they need time away, even though it might put pressure on the team there. Do you think that that's happening or do you think we're not there yet? Well, let me say this, RJ, that question is really relevant because right now, many nurses, I've spoken to many nurses and they are upset. Many of them feel burnt out. But at the same time, I must hasten to say that you have leadership today who are aware of the need of self-care. And that is being encouraged right now. I think it's been encouraged now more than before. There's an awareness out there that everybody needs care. The nurse needs to care for herself in order to provide care for the patient. So there's an awareness. However, the shortage is real. And you continue to hear nurses here locally, nationally, and worldwide that they're being burnt out. So that's why we're encouraging, we're encouraging those out there. We're encouraging those nurses, who, the older nurses or the seasoned nurses to encourage and nurture the new nurse. So that in doing that, we will get new nurses on board, whether male or female, although nursing is a predominantly um, female profession. But we have male nurses coming on board. And of course, there's a place for them. It's good to hear that they're focusing on their self-care and then you have all these, you know, younger people coming on because this profession is not one that, um, better be taken lightly. But if you go in somewhere and you don't have a nurse, like that is, that is a big, that's a big deal because who's the one who does the caring, right? You, you know, the doctor's not in there taking the blood pressure, helping you out and talking to you about everything. Like, I think that that's, that's where we sometimes give too much. We deify doctors 
and we don't give nurses as much respect as they deserve because really the doctor comes in, they take all the information, they make a diagnosis, but who's the one who's taking care of you and administering all of that? It's not the doctors, you know, it's not the uh, phys- physician's assistants likely either. It's the nurses. And it's definitely at a place where, you know, even if you're going in with substance use or, you know, whatever, you're going to be with nurses. Yeah. And and RJ, right there, you remember, as you mentioned, the, the doctor takes it, do the, he makes the diagnosis and all of that. Well, remember, the nurse is the one who is there all the time. Yes. That one, that, that's, that's bonding, as it were, that relationship building, that connectivity, that connection that's there. That nurse is the one who is there, stays a little extra time listening to that patient. And in listening to that patient, you might get glean information that help that you have to pass on to the other um, um, the interprofessional team, the doctor, that will help because there was a li- underlying situation there that was not um, verbalized. While as the nurse was there dialoguing with the patient, cares for the patient, will get from listening to the patient some tips that can en- enhance the patient, the plan of care for that patient. So, Dr. Smith, what is one thing that you would like to leave with people uh, when it comes to nursing, when it comes to um, being a patient, um, all of the above? If there's one thing you can leave people with, what is that? I'm saying treat people as individuals. Give culturally sensitive care to each patient. Those are pointers for me. Treat the patient as individual. Give the highest quality care, congruent, um, scientific, um, empirical care. Um, I would say evidence-based care to all patients, not one single patient, but all patients deserve the best high quality care. Mm. That is That is advice that everybody should take. Treat everybody as individual and your patients as well. And that will, that will help you along in life. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for giving us, uh, you know, this awesome, awesome interview. It's a little bit of a shorter one, but, uh, for those who don't know, I was on Dr. Smith's, uh, empowering new nurses. Uh, earlier. So we're doing kind of a tag team here. Um, Miriam, if people would like to find you and find your show, where could they go? Wow. They can find me on YouTube at Miriam Amanda Smith. They can find me on podcast. They can empower new nurses. They can find me on Instagram at podcast. I'm also on Apple and Spotify. TikTok, Facebook, all the above. I love it. I love it. You're so good at that. You're so good at that. I wanted to set you up because you've been working so hard at that and just amazing. So for those who don't know, uh, 
Dr. Smith and I went down to the podcast movement conference uh, and it was the first time we met in person and it was a wonderful week. And I definitely, definitely miss my friend. Uh, so this has been a fantastic way to catch up. So for those who don't know, this has been Untapped Keg podcast where we explore different perspectives into sobriety and mental health so that hopefully you can take something and put it into your own life because we are not the same person. We cannot do one for one. There is no cookie cutter. And that is what I want people to take away. So if you're looking for us on Keg on all social media platforms, and you can find us at youtube.com slash keg. go to untappedkeg.com, hit that subscribe button so that you know when a new episode comes. Leave a review. Tell me how I'm doing. Let me know if there's a subject or somebody you would like me to reach out to, to interview. And let me know if uh, there's different things that you'd like me to talk about that I can explore. So uh, with that being said, let's try to be better tomorrow than we were today. Because at least if we don't make it, we tried. Have a great week, everybody. I love you. How are you, RJ? Great. Thank you.